Hey, we're back. It's uh, it's coming up on New Year's, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but it is the end of a decade. Holy goodness, that's craziness at the end of a decade. Um, I don't know about you guys, but whenever the 2010s ended, that seemed like a big momentous moment. Perhaps some of you uh, had not even graduated high school yet and uh, and have moved on in life and done amazing things, maybe gotten married over the last decade. But it just seemed like in 2010, it was such a moment. It was a moment to recognize that a decade had passed. And as it turns out, this is the end of a decade. And it just snuck up on me. And I don't know if it snuck up on you guys. I was certainly expecting a new year, but someone said, hey, it's the end of the decade. And that that blew my mind a little bit. Uh, we only get about eight of these decades in our for a lifetime. So uh, when one ends, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, either uh, you're, you may be as far as I am, four decades in, or you may just be two decades in, but it's still a good time to take stock of your life. I want you to really sort of take this time, this New Year's Eve, to just reflect on what you were created to do. I don't want you to just make up New Year's resolutions like lose weight or pay off bills. I want you to think at the decade scale. I want you to think about why you're here, about what your purpose is. At 1720, we've created what we call the triple aim. The triple aim is what we believe that every Christian is called to aim their life at. It is basically to create a Christ-centered, legacy-minded kingdom. That's right. I said kingdom. You are a king or queen of a kingdom. If you want to do a fun exercise, I want you to add up all the friends that you know in person. Okay, and then I want you to add up all the friends, quote unquote, that you know on Facebook. And then I want you to add up all your coworkers. Now, once you've added all of those people up, I want you to multiply that number by 10, okay? Because each of those people probably has 10 people who they are close to that they talk to on a regular basis. And what we know from uh, social network theory, which has nothing to do with the Facebook, uh, but social network theory tells us that information will flow to the second degree. It very rarely flows to the third degree, but it will often flow to the second degree. So the people that you one-on-one know, either on Facebook or coworkers or friends, those are your first degree connections. Your second degree connections are the people that they know. Now, it is likely that if you tell them something profound or you influence your first degree connections, that that will flow to their second degree. So really, your sphere of influence is everyone that you know times 10. For many people, this is anywhere from 10 to 20 to 30,000 people. Now, I don't know about you, but my wife grew up in a town of just 30,000. What that means is, is that you literally have influence, your kingdom can be as many as 30,000 people. Now, I know a lot of you folks have uh, many more followers on Instagram or Facebook than I do, but I just want you to realize that those people are part of your kingdom. So whenever you turn your life and you say that I'm going to create a Christ-centered, legacy-minded kingdom, what we're really talking about is creating a Christ-centered and legacy-minded influence on everything within your kingdom, which, like I said, for many people will be essentially a small town in America. And I really want you to recognize that you have a responsibility in that, that you are not as uh, powerless as you may have thought you were, You don't that you have much more influence than you probably ever believed you did, but you do. Now, um, that may not mean that everything you say is influential. 
that may not mean that everything that you do has an impact to the second degree. But what I would suggest is, is that maybe, maybe you should reconsider what you do in order to have a second degree impact, right? In order to create a kingdom. The Bible says that the kingdom is here, that we pray for God's kingdom to come to earth. God, throughout history, throughout the, the, the Bible, has trusted men to implement that kingdom. And this is still true today. He trusts us to establish his kingdom. So as you think about this next decade, I really want you to just sort of consider what it might be like if you had a Christ-centered, legacy-minded kingdom. So what does it mean to be Christ-centered? Well, this is pretty simple. Christ-centered means that God, Christ, sits on the throne of your heart. How do you know if God is sitting on the throne of your heart? If you believe that your provision, in other words, where you get anything, comes from something other than God, then that thing will ultimately sit on the throne of your heart. For example, if you believe that your job is your provision, then that will sit on the throne of your heart, okay? If you believe that your wife or your spouse or your girlfriend or your children are the source of your love, then that will sit on the throne of your heart. Good things, things that seem obvious and, and, and God-ordained things can sit on the throne of your heart. They will take the place of God. Anything that you believe provides for you will take the place of God over time. So we must be very careful to understand that our provision, in order to be Christ-centered, if you will, requires that we place God on the throne of our heart and that we trust that all of our provision comes from Him. Now, what does it mean to be legacy-minded? This one's a really interesting one. What this means is is that you are planning, you are building, you are taking steps to impact a third generation. So not your children, but your children's children, your grandchildren. Now, this is a really cool concept because what it means is, is that you are no longer living your world for you, and you're not even living your world for your children, but you're living your world for your impact on your grandchildren. Now, this requires a level of sacrifice that is really, quite frankly, unheard of in today's society. However, it was not a level of sacrifice that was unheard of to the men and women who got on tiny little boats and sailed over to America in hopes that their children's children could have a better life. It is not a crazy idea for the founders of our country who wrote a document that 200-plus years later still governs the way we think about freedom and the pursuit of happiness and God-given rights. The problem that we have right now in America is that we have stopped focusing on our grandchildren, that we have started living for ourselves. I promise you, whatever problems you have, if you focus on them, you might just solve them. Matter of fact, you might even solve them before you die. But If that is your focus, then that is the best you could do. You have to be perfect in order to achieve that goal. Whatever problem it is you're trying to solve, you have to be perfect to do that because that is where you have set your target. The perfect you must execute in order to hit that target. 
But what I'm suggesting to you is, is if you will change your focus to your grandchildren, then the problems you have today are just 10, 15, 20% of the problems that you'll need to solve in order to have a third generation impact, which means that you could be a 30% of the perfect person for your plan and solve the problems you have today. Your problems are as big as the focus you give them. They're as big as the focus you give them. And when you shift your focus from you or your children to your grandchildren, the game completely changes. I I think it was Wayne Gretzky who said, you should skate to where the puck is going, not where the puck is. Where the puck is in your life is in your current problems, your current issues, your current struggles. What I want you to do is to skate to where the puck is going. I also want you to realize that you are the beginning of a dynasty. You are the beginning of a dynasty. Your grandfather had no idea that he would be a dynasty. And your great-great-grandfather had no idea that he would have the level of impact on this world that he has had. For example, if he got kicked in the head by a mule and died at the age of 22, you probably would have never existed. Your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, your entire family line would have ceased to exist. You are the beginning of that dynasty. And while it may not seem like you have a lot of resources and impact today, I'm telling you, if you will start thinking legacy-minded, if you will start thinking third generation, you will understand that you have the ability to create a dynasty, to have a massive impact on this world. And if you look back at the Bible, there's a whole section on generations that it took to get to Jesus. God works in generations. One of the reasons why our society seems so self-centered is because they are. Most people are shooting to just make it to retirement. Now, my mom, they actually had the perfect place. They lived um, right off the uh, A1A Avenue in Florida. They literally could walk out their front door and walk onto the beach. Uh, Their life was great. Uh, They were going to retire there. My mom had always dreamed of living at the beach, and her dream had come true. And they were there for five years, and they really enjoyed that. But then her grandchildren were born, and she packed up all of her stuff, and she moved back to North Carolina. Now, she could have certainly stayed in Florida and focused on her own happiness, but she realized the value of being able to influence that third generation. So she packed up everything she had. They changed their life radically, and they moved back to North Carolina. And I think that was absolutely the right move. So when I talk about impacting the third generation, if you're a grandparent, it means investing in your grandchildren. If you are yet to be married, it means thinking hard about who you marry. Don't just choose love. Don't just choose she's super hot and makes me happy because there may be a time where she's not and she doesn't. And that is not what you should be shooting for. You will choose a spouse based off of what it might mean to the third generation. Is she a helpmate? Can she help you? You may find yourself in the 30s and you may be thinking about your 401k and investing and so on and so forth. What I want to encourage you to do is to think about creating a space or a place for your grandchildren. So what does that mean? 
That means, yeah, okay, fine, you may be looking to pay off your house before you retire, but what if instead you paid off a retreat or a vacation home or you moved to a place where your family could enjoy that property past your existence? A place where they could come and retreat and always know that they had a safe place in this world no matter what happened. This is unheard of in today's generation, but yet it was not unheard of just three, four, five generations ago. It was the focus of those generations to create a life for us that we now enjoy. Unfortunately, we've all gotten tremendously short-sighted. It's funny, even if you think about Walmart, right? Walmart used to sell made-in-the-USA quality goods. Now the focus is to get the cheapest possible good that will serve the immediate need in your hands. There is no longer a focus on how long will this product last. Matter of fact, most products are not even sold like that anymore. But yet in the 1940s or 30s and 40s, that was exactly how products were marketed. That is the shift that has occurred. We have started to serve ourselves. So if you will shift your mindset to being legacy-minded, what can you use this next decade to impact the third generation? What might that look like? It's an exciting time. This is an exciting decade. There are exciting things ahead of us. This is literally the hottest economy that's ever existed in decades. Take this time while the tide is high to plan for the future, to plan for that third generation. I believe that this is not only important, it's also very biblical. So as you begin to contemplate on your New Year's resolutions, I want you to think in decades. I want you to think what it looks like to have a Christ-centered legacy-minded kingdom. And I want you to think about all the people that you could impact, the impact that you could have to a third generation. Anyways, thanks for listening in. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm all alone here in the podcast studio. Everybody has the holidays off. I look forward to having them back, but uh, I hope this was helpful. I know it's something I'll be thinking very hard about this New Year's. God bless you, and I'll see you in 2020.